0: What
1: got his ass <laughs> now? You have to be in the truck.
0: I hate that guy. race can change the rest of your life. Those absolute clowns at 15bmx.com. Go on, do my best, and whatever happens then, it's good. My bottle got stretched a little bit. And... I got a tight little butt.
1: Look, I'm about to light this shit up. <laughs>
0: coffee chatter live where are you guys at oh canada coming out of the answer tent right now Pop dog millionaire let's make some noise sorry night hog that grindle part is absolutely electric what an addition to the show that is
1: I was going to say, how do we like it? I was just kind of, I threw it in there right before, like we had it in the other show, but this was the first live show we had it on. I didn't even know if you'd remember.
0: I like it. I think it's more us. I mean, Grinnell did an awesome job with the live show and he's the voice of BMX in the U S now more or less. So I feel like it's a, it's cool to have him, him as a, you know, intricate, intricate cog in this intro. Um, it's a big compliment for him. Cause he's, he's replaced Matthew McConaughey. We chose him over Matthew McConaughey.
1: That's pretty big. I mean, if you're, you're Matthew McConaughey, he's got like an Oscar or golden globe or something. Right. So, I mean, you're, you're just, you're replacing a guy with one of those. Are you kidding me?
0: Which, uh, so is it Grammy or Oscar? That's an ad, actor, uh,
1: Oscar Grammy is music for sure.
0: Grammys music,
1: okay. Yeah, I think so that definitely he's got, he, I think McConaughey has got an Oscar.
0: Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. He was, he's such a good actor in, he was so good in Lincoln. Have you, I guess, I remember we talked about it on the show. I don't think you've seen Lincoln. Lawyer.
1: No, I don't think I have. Cause I remember talking about it and I remember thinking I have, and then I looked it up and I was like, wait a second. I don't actually know if I have.
0: It's such a good movie and he's awesome. In it.
1: I need to, uh, I need to watch that then. Cause he is awesome. He's one of my top, like fav- top guys, top 10, probably actors to watch. Yeah.
0: Progate Europe winning starts with a great gate. What makes a great gate set up? What makes the gate setup great to you
1: to me to me it's a combination of uh multiple things obviously if you just stamp a pro gate you're up in there most of the time i'm gonna think it's fantastic but i think it all comes down to a nice staging area behind it where you're not feeling like you're standing on a slope constantly you have a little platform to stand on you roll into the gate nicely there's not a huge drop or a huge step to get onto that pro gate onto that surface and then you need a good hill after you need to, you need to complement the pro gate Europe with a nice flush hill that goes right down in a gradual manner. I don't want something way too steep. I'm okay mm-hmm. with something a little too flat, but a nice gradual manner. You got to complement the pro gate Europe. You know what I mean?
0: I really don't like steep gates.
1: They're, they kind of just like, there's no, they're not that fun really.
0: Oh, they're not. I, I'd rather have it flat.
1: Flat is just an absolute grind. It yeah, it is, but
0: I I prefer doing gates on flat. I hate doing gates on a steep gate. It feels weird.
1: I, to me, it feels like you're not accomplishing very much. It's very easy to get through your good form and you just do everything right. Flat gate, man, you get exposed.
0: Yes, you do. Oh. You know it's key also when you're waiting for your moto, speaking of um, on the hill behind the gate, I think it's pretty key to sit sideways on the hill.
1: Mm, yeah, if you're on a slope, you can't be sitting up and down, obviously, yeah, no. No, you can't
0: just be standing, giving your cows a five-minute stretch before you get in the gate.
1: <laughs> Especially because like, normally you do that at like the Grands, at a race somewhere where it's just like a you know a hill that you're not used to. When do you ever do that if you're ever training? If you're ever practicing at home, you never just stand yeah, on a hill sure. waiting.
0: Also, you know one thing you don't really practice is waiting in the gate for like two minutes.
1: It's true either. Yeah, I never do. Because I, I hate it. I hate, do you, Were you a sit-down sit uh, guy yeah. in the gate?
0: I sat down all the way until the cadence started. So, you know, it's funny. In a lot of videos, like everyone's standing up and then I'm still sitting down. You're one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. One of those sitter so guys. So it's just, well, my, mine was, I think he was like, well, why would I stand up when I don't have to? Like, I, You know, I think if I stood up, I felt like my muscles would tense up and it's just kind of a waste of energy. So I just sat down and relaxed until the cadence started. And then that way too, you're standing up. It's just like you stand up and do your routine instead mm-hmm. of standing up for like, Maybe twenty seconds, sometimes a minute, some other time. You
1: know, I always so my thing is I find find that when I sit down, I feel like my all my muscles get squished together, so it's just uncomfortable, and I don't like that.
0: Interesting. Maybe that's
1: why you ran the high seat. I never (laughs) ran. Dude, your seat was so high. Come on, it
0: was was like always slammed. You had like four fingers. Oh. I got. Being, I got the angle because I had it like yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. pointed down instead of like pointed up.
1: I mean, there are still a couple of videos your seat looks higher than others, but you're right. It was the angle that people give you shit for.
0: Yeah, because I felt like if I had it pointed up a little bit, I felt like I was going to slide off the back.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing: if you're sitting in the gate on a downslope and your seat's angled up, it would be more flat for you in the gate. It would be closer Anything. to flat because your, your your seat your bike's tilted down.
0: You know, I do see your logic. I just never felt that way.
1: Yeah. I feel like because you're always sitting on the track, which then obviously, yes, it's more comfortable flat, but in the gate when you're tilted down, yeah.
0: To be honest, I never realized that in the gate. I never thought of that, but I never, I never had an issue with my angle. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) How to get chirped for the angle. Yeah.
1: (laughs) What are the, what are the most chirpable things on somebody's bike? We tried to do that Twitter chirp people's bike thing. We did a little bit. I used
0: to I think the disc the disc brakes used to be. They're more they're mainstream now because they're so, so common. But I feel like people when they first came out used to get tripped for disc brakes.
1: A little bit, hey, but now you're right. They are like if now if you have V-brakes, you're like, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> I honestly still I honestly don't like the look of disc brakes still.
1: Really, hey? Hasn't no, grown I on you
0: I completely understand like the yeah, you know, why people use them. It makes total sense, but I think it I think it looks not good.
1: I guess like I see... um look at like cam's bike i feel like something about his bike uh i guess he doesn't have carbon wheels so everything looks cam thin. Wood? sorry cam wood yeah i think i said larson again didn't i no you just said cam okay sorry cam wood he doesn't have carbon wheels so his wheels look small and then you're right he just runs a v-brake so his whole brake lever looks small there i think with the disc brake things look a little chunkier
0: yeah I, yeah i don't i don't think it looks like it it's like very noticeable
1: yeah yeah, the you levers, especially break? the levers, are bulky, dude. When I first started my, running the disc brake, it looked like I had like a, I don't know, a toolkit on the front of my bike. Just the lever is just massive.
0: I was gonna ask if you ran a disc brake. I did, I couldn't remember if you did or not.
1: Yeah, big disc brake guy now. Can't the one tough part See. is V brakes? It's very easy to adjust like where they engage, like how far, like mm-hmm. adjust the pads. I have a tough time with the the disc brakes. Like sometimes if you don't have, like, even when I. um what is it called when you bleed the brakes properly even when i do all that well and i do it often the lever comes in too far sometimes and there's no adjustment for where it hits mm. there is i guess now in yeah, this new Shimano one but it's not very good like it's still not not enough
0: it makes sense like the system makes total sense and there's a there's a reason why they use it in mountain bike and everything i mean um, yeah they need
1: braking. and we we obviously don't really No,
0: need it. i mean there's like the thinking behind it it makes total sense but Yeah, from like a look perspective, I don't think it looks that good. And yeah, I guess the brake adjustment would be somewhat of a factor, but I mean, it works so much better in the rain and everything, I'm sure.
1: I think that's the biggest thing for me. I can't stand V brakes in the rain, especially when you get a new bike, like two two sessions in, two, three sessions in, you're riding in the rain, your V brakes start, you start pulling brake in the rain and then your rim goes from black to silver instantly because you just wear the paint off the rim. And it's just, I hate that part.
0: But well, honestly, at the end of the day, in our sport, they're brakes. Who really gives a shit? Like you kind of may- maybe use them a little here and there, but it's not like a, it's not a major concern either way. Like yeah. who really cares?
1: Not Especially when you're racing. I don't think it's a big deal when you're racing. It's more like a practice thing when you're stopping more often, I think.
0: And it's nice. It's nice to have them feel good. But really, at the end of the day, I mean, who cares?
1: I mean, I do. <laughs> I always
0: had like, I set up. I don't even know what mine were. I didn't really care.
1: Really? Like when you're, if no. your brakes felt like shit, you'd just ride just fine.
0: Yeah, like one time in Argentina, I think in practice, like the bolt on the lever popped off or something, so I just put a zip tie through and I ran it for like a couple of weeks like that. I didn't really care.
1: No way, you're a <laughs> lunatic. You know that? I didn't really
0: care. <laughs> care. Use it like you use it like hardly ever,
1: dude. I had this conversation with Sylvan Tulsa where it's like I put a, a new lever on my bike um, before. I guess it was after Glasgow. Um, we're riding Pappendall and I put the new lever on and it was the brake lever was coming in too far and it's hitting my knuckle. And even though I I don't use my brake when I'm manualing, unless I'm doing maybe like long skill lines for fun or jump manuals or something like that. I don't use it. Just knowing that it came and hit my finger and I couldn't trust that it was going to work properly. I could not ride my bike that day. And it sounds like the most lame you suck kind of thing ever. But like, I swear to God, I was like, I was so uncomfortable, I just rode so like central stiff, just like hey, let's just ro- like, cruise through here. I was not attacking just because the brake lever hit my finger. I couldn't stand it.
0: Okay, well that is a somewhat of a concern because if you can't, if you if they don't work and you're and you're squeezing all the way to the grip or your knuckle, then it's a problem. Like of course for safety, I think especially if you're jumping pro sections and if you're on a track with a berm jump, like you have to be able to trust your brakes that if you need to yank them, you can fully stop safely. Yeah, for sure, but you know as opposed to how they feel i mean as long as they work and you get a feel for it i don't think it really matters
1: i guess once you yeah if you got something that works you can trust trust is the big thing for me you know trust in life t just like everything in life you gotta have some trust in them
0: straight up safety like if my if mine squeezed way in or they weren't really working i wouldn't i wouldn't ride a pro section
1: it's tough then yeah it's
0: tough yeah yeah, i mean you you need ones that work because otherwise it can be really dangerous
1: were you ever like a full-on death gripper like four fingers on the bike
0: no, those are psychopaths.
1: <laughs> <laughs> those guys are crazy.
0: <laughs> you need I think I mean actually Connor and Sam I think a rode without a finger on the brake I'm pretty sure.
1: Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking instantly with Sam, I think Isaac does too. It's gnar- I think it's kind of gnarly sometimes cuz I like you said we're not using them in racing a lot of time you have time to get to it but just the fact that you're just full death gripping, I don't know, it's just something about it.
0: Yeah, I don't think it makes a difference either way cuz I wouldn't gate like that. I think it would come like on supercross, it would come on like over the first jump or on a normal track, probably similar, with similar time, just yeah. automatically come on the brake. But I noticed too, if so, I ran with a finger on the brake or rode with one at all times. If there was, you know, if there was a jump where you you really needed to lift, like really yanked pull before or you needed to lift up over, I would put my finger back on the bar and then so I'd have full strength to lift up. I noticed I did that, that on way. certain tracks. <laughs> really? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I would never like the fact that you, I don't you probably didn't think about it, but too, but seeing that even a video, even is just kind of weird, like you go off, okay, pull up and then probably put it back on eventually.
0: Yeah. And it's automatic. So you don't notice it, but huh.
1: crazy little differences. Everyone has
0: in theory, you'd probably like, we're talking from a pure sprint perspective. It's it'd be better to have all the fingers on, but when you're already up to speed and like sprinting out of a turn, I don't think it'll make a difference.
1: I don't think it does at that point. No, I don't people that, if they start with their finger on the brake, I mean, that's just ridiculous. What are we doing? You need to hold on to your handlebars so- off the start, but I yeah, agree. It's you like, hold on to
0: your no <laughs> wonder you're going to come off, yeah.
1: but it's like, it's on Supercross, like over the first jump. I think that's the common place. Cause as soon as you land the first jump, you're going so fast that yeah, it's just like speed at that point.
0: Okay. So speaking of Supercross, you have to, if you have to get rid of one thing out of the BMX world forever, out of these three things, you have to get rid of either the super cross hill, uh, pro sections in general, or the random gate. What are you picking? Oh.
1: holy smokes.
0: Um... So I think here's the thing. I think a lot of people will be like, oh, super cross hill, duh. But then I think people forget super cross hill. That's like Olympics, world champs, world cup. So it's not like you just all of a sudden take the super cross hill out and everything's just normal. It's just not gonna happen.
1: Do you want me to play a counter counterpart here? Say, like, I mean, we could ride five meter hill off supercross or sorry, five meter for world cups and whatnot. I don't know if this if we would get put in the Olympics with it, but we can ride World Cups with five meter.
0: Mm-hmm. You can. Okay, yeah. so I would say that I would say like any like that's I would consider that kind of a supercross hill, even though it's not.
1: Okay, so we're saying say like, like ABA Hill, Flat Hill.
0: Like normal hills like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um because really, if you got rid of the supercross, if there was never a supercross hill, there wouldn't be the five-meter hill.
1: Good point. Think. No, that's a good point. I guess they'd make something different, or they wouldn't even make scaffolding hills, probably. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with. I gotta go with pro section because I think the random start oh, is. Wow. There, I know it sounds. Ridiculous. It's I, I, there's no good answer here. It's like fuck one, marry one, kill one. There's no good answer. Um, yeah. <laughs> the random start is just it is BMX. Like that's it's like a. It's like a sprint, a 100-meter sprint. There's a gunshot, you go. Like, BMX, random start, you go. Like, that's just part of it. And I can't get rid of a pro-gate Europe. Not, not in our lifetime. Pro-gate Europe's a staple. Uh, Supercross Hill, I just love the Supercross Hill. I think racing off that is appealing to many people's eyes, especially people that don't know BMX in general. So keep that. And then I hate it, but get rid of pro sections, even though I think that's another eye-catcher.
0: For sure, you got to keep the random gate.
1: Got to. ProGate Europe. Get yours today. You can't not have a ProGate Europe.
0: We cannot go back to like slingshotting and that. That's just an absolute no-go zone. <laughs> it's just, we don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> I mean, really, when you think about it, that was ridiculous that you could do that.
1: It's just unreal to um, see nowadays. Like kids nowadays so- probably are going to have no idea that that was a thing.
0: They're going to think that was the most outrageous, and it really was. Yeah. So that's that's got go. Um, so now you're stuck with either pro sections or supercross hill. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I think I think you know, as a lot of people will don't like the supercross and don't think we need it. It's done a lot for BMX, I think, in general, mm-hmm. with the Olympics and World Cups and World Champs and that kind of stuff. Okay, obviously the World Champs used to be on a normal hill, but for World Cups and Olympics, I think we probably don't get in the Olympics without the supercross hill before. So I feel like it's also, and it's brought a kind of different aspect of the sport. It's something more spectacular, all that. I don't think you can get rid of the Supercross Hill. So I think, yeah, I think you got to get rid of pro sections. Because I think you can still make a, yeah, even if you didn't have pro sections, you could still make some straightaways pretty big and cool. That would be a a big bummer not having pro sections.
1: I think that would get tough with the male and female side too. Because, I mean, we saw in... uh,
0: you have tracks like Tokyo is what you'd have.
1: Yeah, and I, and then you wouldn't, yeah. It would kind of suck. Like the second straight, the women would have, I mean, something that might be big and slow and boring for them. Or not even boring, but just boring to watch. And then we would have something that's just like too small probably and not get the excitement of the pro section jumps.
0: Well, then you. Pr- what about getting rid of the Supercross Hill? That way you just have normal hills, but you can have pro sections and really cool tracks still.
1: I think that's still a good option. I would very much yeah, like... Especially-
0: the only reason I would say no to that is because I think the supercross hill has done a lot for our sport.
1: I agree. Yeah, I agree. It, I think it has too, but I, if we had to now pick one maybe I would pick, take away the supercross just because like, look at the grands, like you still get some amazing racing on a small track, small hill. It's different. And mm-hmm. I like the differences, but the pro section, like the pro section, not being a grand suck to me. I didn't like that at all. So
0: but I yeah, I wasn't looking no. at the
1: grands being like I hate it because it's it has a small hill.
0: I think it's really cool though to watch a big main on a supercross hill too. To see eight guys
1: just floor it down the hill and the the noise cool. in person, like if, if you haven't been to a track where there's scaffolding hill like a and you haven't heard the noise of all eight guys ripping down it and room right at the bottom, that's something.
0: Yeah. It's like you're climbing for your first moto and then the gates you're, you're in the hill climbing it and then the gate all goes and they hear the at the bottom. Oh man. Yeah. It's cool.
1: Does that not get you jazzed up? Like when you're walking behind like it's about to go down, like racing's on baby.
0: Yeah. So I think, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's a tough one. That's a tough one.
1: Um, have you (laughs) from, uh, Alicia English, have you ever seen or done written with your uh, middle finger on the, uh, on the brake? No,
0: but moto guys do that for clutch. I think,
1: I think so too. I've, I've heard or seen that, but for us, no, I've yeah, never seen so.
0: anybody that does. I would accidentally squeeze the, squeeze the grip or squeeze the brake.
1: <laughs> I think you just hit your knuckle too much. Like you braking would have, to, it would definitely hit stuff. There's too much. I don't think my, my, uh, pointer finger has enough flexibility to hold the bar and then use the brake lever while still holding the bar with my pointer finger. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be weird. Yeah. My pointer finger would come off. I think the grip and I would only be holding with two fingers on the outside. Almost just resting on it. Like the pointer finger. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Sean, our, our man, Sean Collins says Dale Holmes does apparently middle finger. I'd love to, I need to see oh. that. We need to ask him. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, we need to ask him about that. So. Um, how are we feeling post grand's little grand's depression going on? Are we, are we, are we feeling good about the holidays though instead? Or how what how are things?
0: Bit of a letdown the past week, bit of a decompression from a busy year. A little bit, hey. Finally getting, finally, what? A little bit, hey, yep. Yeah, finally getting over being sick. Like still feel a little so-so, but man, I I got so sick the past week. So one day I would have been, started feeling a little sick Tuesday morning, I think Wednesday night. So I was pretty sick Wednesday, like probably Wednesday to Friday, I was pretty sick. Wednesday night, I woke up in the middle of the night, absolutely dripping in sweat. Just had the night sweats so bad. Like that's so. <laughs> no way, that's awful. Yeah, I had to wake that's up and like change. That was just soaked. That's gross, eh? And it wasn't even like hot in the house or anything. I just had night sweats. And I had it the next night too, but not as bad. And then more minorly the next two days. But I had this do the same thing when I had COVID. It's wild, I wake up just dripping in sweat. Crazy, crazy what your body does. I got to, I got to retire from these grands events because the Canadian grands, I got COVID the U S grands. I got the flu or something. I got, I got something from there. I don't know what I got. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just taking too much out of my body. I gotta, I gotta retire from these. I gotta retire from going to these things.
1: <laughs> I mean, I don't see that happening being as your coach. Um, but we, yeah, I think that's the only option. How else do you, how do you not get sick of these things anymore? Like, I don't understand how not to, I feel like I was I mean, more sleep would probably help less time in the building, but like, I feel like I'm eating right, taking my vitamins, staying healthy before, what else am I supposed to do?
0: I probably should have taken some hand sanity with me, what I probably should have done and maybe pumped up some more vitamins beforehand. That's the only thing I think. Just pump those levels up as high as possible.
1: Yeah. Crazy. That's so weird. Like the, the, the night sweats are such a weird thing because I wonder like how sweaty and wet the bed actually gets. Cause I've had that too, obviously. Sometimes you wake up, you feel, I feel like I'm in a puddle in my bed. I'm like, what is going on right now? And then you wake up in the morning it's like, nothing's really wrong though.
0: Yeah, I know. It's weird.
1: Nothing in the bed's wrong. Nothing like looks. Yeah.
0: I don't know. It's weird. I didn't even have chills. Just, yeah. Just sweat. Crazy. Poor body just got put through the (laughs) ringer.
1: You already don't have a, a spleen. All right. We can't be dealing with this crap.
0: No, I wonder. And I wonder if that's a contributing factor. Cause like I technically I, I'm more susceptible to getting sick, but the spleen also doesn't have any effect on viruses. So if I picked up COVID or the flu, I mean, those are viruses. So
1: yeah, that's a good question. I don't know. I'd like to say no, because a lot of us still also got sick too. So
0: it's not like it was just you. If it was just you, I would say definitely fun fact. So. Actually, there's a certain type of bacteria called encapsulated bacteria that's kind of dangerous to me. Well, not kind of dangerous, it is dangerous for me. So one of the one of the encapsulated bacteria or bacteria that's dangerous for me lives in a dog's mouth. So if I technically if I got bit by a dog, I'd have to go on antibiotics or go to the hospital. No way. Yeah. That's one thing they told me when I had my spleen taken out. Wow. So I actually travel. Yeah, I actually travel with antibiotics at all time. Like I used to just get a new prescription every year or two from my doctor and just travel with them. So if I get sick while traveling, I just go on him. But I haven't really had to knock on wood.
1: Yeah, knock on wood. Uh that's interesting. But Thunder Midges says in our YouTube chat, he's like, supposedly the Expo Center didn't turn on the air system till Thursday afternoon. That's why so many got sick this year compared to last two years.
0: The Thursday was like the first day, second day. So
1: for us, yeah. I mean, yeah. You weren't there until what wednesday? friday thursday friday
0: no i got on wednesday evening
1: oh wednesday okay then you were there thursday yeah hmm.
0: interesting Yeah, thursday. i mean it's like the second day so That's fair. Yeah, um yeah they gotta do they gotta do something
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah they do a uh, couple shout outs uh saw some you know the classic bmx riders that do youtube pages uh coming out with their grands videos i watched a couple i watched uh barry Nobles. i don't know what i just said there uh barry nobles video um mm-hmm. drew polk's video they both had some good ones i saw drew i never really thought about this but for the ams it was a great idea i saw him doing he was doing like a single man gates you know outside the building getting ready for his rounds because i mean they run like their 16th first thing in the day and you got to be got to be ready to go i mean that's smart Never thought about that.
0: I'm seeing him at the ground.
1: Yeah, like it was, I saw in this video. He was just outside in the parking lot, just doing some single man gates before before his race. And I was like, you know what? There's lots. I mean, might as well. Why not do those instead of just doing sprints or something?
0: That's a. I actually never thought of that. That's a good idea.
1: Yeah, if you have the resource there and you have the resources to bring in, what? Oh yeah, why not?
0: Reminds me when I was a kid, there used to be a company called Get-A-Gate that would go to all the nationals and you get a punch card and they'd set up in the pits and we just do gates in the pits. Same thing.
1: Yeah. Well, now they have a ProGate Europe set up. Get yours today. Yep. Yeah. It's
0: yeah too bad they- it was called Get-A-Gate and you had a punch card. <laughs> and you pay like whatever for like three, five, ten, whatever.
1: Yeah, that's kind of funny. Get your punch card, go to your gate. Yeah. Good idea. It's smart. You need to do it, so. Um, and then nick's video nick came out with a little i consider it a mini documentary video it was pretty cool i mean his he knows how to to do a video he knows how to tell a story it's pretty cool i think people should go watch it
0: it's a lot of work to do those videos it really is it takes a lot of time to not only gather the film but go through all the content and create an actual good video it, it's a lot of work like it's one thing to
1: just make a vlog over the weekend where you just you start at a certain point and then you have to go through all your clips like that's already that already takes a long time to go through all the clips after and pick them. But then to make a little documentary series, like to go back and find old videos from earlier this year, like the amount of old clips and stuff that he puts into it to, to add into the video. And then obviously he does his like uh, interview sections, which him and his brother probably do together. or Maybe he does on his own. I'm not sure. It's got to take some time. It's pretty cool that he does take the time to do that and edit it professionally after. Like I consider that like a professional production.
0: Yeah. No, pretty totally. cool. Um, in new news, Isaac's officially on Speedco or off Speedco and on a chase.
1: Do we know he's officially on chase? I, I mean, I saw,
0: that. In, I saw that in the
1: notes. Did you really?
0: Do we know if that's, do we know if that's true
1: in the last? So I saw the Speedco post that he was off and in the last photo of their, of their section, it was a photo with Joris. And I mean, obviously, yeah they might've been posting the photo just, you know, two, two champions, uh, the last two it. guys, but maybe, maybe it really is because he's going to chase like the, that's been the rumor for since the summer from 15 BMX. So maybe it is finally true.
0: All right. We shall, we shall see. Don't quote us on that, but we shall see. I think it's got, um, it, it makes sense. Yeah. So, um,
1: A yeah, little more silly season talk, uh, friend, a friend of the show, a fellow chatty, um, Scott told me that uh, McLean to possibly go to stay strong. So it might be off full tilt. might be going to stay strong. That'd be interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah, that'd be. I, I mean, I don't know what his contracts that'd... have been with full tilt, but I think that would be a big move.
0: I haven't heard that. I haven't seen that come across my desk yet.
1: Neither. And then the last silly season one I got from, you know, our same friend of the show, Chatty, uh, was Spencer Cole to Supercross.
0: No. So. Hmm. hmm. Well, Molly's got a new deal, too, doesn't she?
1: um not a bike deal from not that i know of is that is that a, okay. a rumor going around hit me with
0: some silly season I, I i saw her i saw her instagram story though like whatever last week that had a couple new things so i didn't know
1: i didn't look at her story what what should i be seeing what did you see
0: i can't remember exactly but there was she posted a photo of two things and like blocked out the blocked out the name on it so she got a new deal of some sort i think interesting
1: was it maybe a, not a
0: new team Maybe not a new team obviously then, but a new something.
1: I think she's got a new, probably a new gear deal in the works, even though she had had the coolest kits already.
0: Yeah, those ones were dope. Those ones look cool. Damn cool. All right, so let's talk in recent memory or say within the last, however, 20 years we'll go. What are some of the most unexpected wins in BMX history?
1: unexpected wins all right so when when i got asked this question you know
0: what, by you yeah i was gonna say you know what was an unexpected win was when javier colombo won the world in 2006 in elite men oh see i wouldn't i wouldn't, have, I wouldn't point, have known that i don't even know if he'd really won an aba race at that point like i don't think he'd won an aba pro race and he won the worlds. beat Stomphauser at the world
1: that is pretty crazy so it was a
0: long time ago i mean yeah. that was whatever six Ago, without I think that was a pretty unexpected win for a really big race, obviously being the world. That's An pretty cool. World.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. Then, uh, the first one that came to my to mind for me for unexpected win was um, Simon World Cup win in Verona in twenty twenty one. Yep, I think he kind of stepped into a new league there because at the time you knew he was fast, he knew he was a top guy, but I never really was like oh he's gonna win you're looking at the inside you're looking at graph on the inside or pills or somebody who's going really quick For you're looking at them to win and then i think simon won and it was like holy shit like he's flying and then ever since then it's it hasn't been unexpected at all since then
0: yeah although i bet before verona like i bet he and him and liam weren't surprised
1: no i don't think they would have been because they know deep down like they've been putting some work and like okay i'm ready but I think for the general public who wouldn't have seen as much of that, especially coming off the COVID year where people didn't know what was going on, who was doing what, that kind of thing. That was a surprise. Yeah.
0: I feel like another surprise one would have been Stephanie Hernandez and Zolder when she won the world in 2015. I feel like that was pretty unexpected. People are probably watching Elise or Caroline or whoever. Yeah. And I feel like her her world champ win, I think was fairly unexpected at the time.
1: That's a good one, actually. Yeah. That is a, that is an unexpected one um what else you got you got any other ones I'd have to like go back to a while ago I feel like to start thinking of unexpected ones
0: uh it's funny it's fun to dig through the archives and think of unexpected uh those are the ones that comes to mind I feel like I feel like with it's hard to say for like world Cups specifically because there's pr- there's quite a few now throughout the year and you know like a it might be fairly unexpected to think someone's become a world cup winner, but if they're on the circuit for a while and they just get super hot for a weekend and sort of track that suits them or it's in their home country, I feel like that happens more often than not. And they can just be a one and one and done win.
1: Yeah. 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 I guess like, um, perfect example, like Torres in Argentina years back. Yeah, I was thinking,
0: I was kind of thinking of that too.
1: Yeah. He was kind of riding, not I'd say riding under the radar a little bit. He was extremely fast making moves like to get, by people get into, I think he was getting in main events before that, but I don't think mm. he was expected to win it. But then all of a sudden you show up in Argentina and it's like, Holy shit, the guy's on a new level. Like, why is it so much different here than anywhere else? So once he started doing that, it was like, okay, well it's not unexpected for him to win. It's almost expected now.
0: Yeah. I'd say Lehman, Manchester was pretty unexpected. His first one. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was uh, going to say, I was like,
1: well, what one is unexpected
0: there? <laughs> Liam at his thunder. Do you think Liam listens to
1: the show anymore? He used to. Great question. We have 179 shows out. I don't think he listens to all of them. I don't think he listens to this one.
0: <laughs> he used to. He used to listen to a lot of them. He used to listen to them every week.
1: I think we are we are having some major banger big guests on every week. I mean, that's fair. He was listening. No wonder he was. Now, I think we've tried to space it out a little bit. I bet you he picks his guests. Yeah, I bet he listened to Connor's. I think so. That was a banger. That was a big one.
0: Yeah, last week was a banger too, actually.
1: I mean, Grant, it was, dude, the Grand's—it was Grant's preview, baby. That was huge.
0: Yeah. Recap? You mean Grand's recap? That's a pre- Man,
1: I can't think right now.
0: That one—I mean, that one was a banger. I think we got a lot of listens on that one last time I checked, Cam. Yeah. Um,
1: I want him as a reoccurring guest on the show now. Hey, he's a great guest. Yeah, it was fun to just t- not even talk BMX, just talk the football stuff,
0: and just have a chat. He'll probably he'll probably become one. He's probably one of our guys now. Where it's like if we need to if we need to catch up with someone, he's in. He might be in like the Sylvan Laura category. I'd like that. Yeah, I'd really like that. <laughs> I'd like that. Like, oh, what do we have on this week? I don't know. I'm just. I want to talk to Sylvan or something. <laughs> <laughs> when we Graf used to, graph used to be, but we haven't had him on in like a year now.
1: Now we'll have to touch base, see what he's doing with the, the, the Swiss cycling. Yeah. I Cam was he's, my under, when you asked a while ago, who's what, your underrated funny in the pro class? I said Cam, just because I think he's quiet, but I do think he's had that like, you know, fun bro atmos, atmosphere to him. Not atmosphere. Yeah, he's, Personality he's cool. to him, yeah. And I think he showed that a little bit.
0: I think so too. Um, I can't think of any other unexpected
1: wins. Should we move on, move on to the next question of the show? Here. This show is a, is full of just a bunch of questions we have, and we're going to just kind of dive into some detailed answers. Um, as a trainer, as a coach, you know, this is a great one for you. How has training evolved over the past three years, five years, 10 years, even maybe 20 years, let's say. Like, that's a big, big jump, obviously. Um, but yeah. how do you see
0: it as – how has it evolved? I think it's gotten a lot more specific. Like, I feel like probably – 10, 15, 20 years ago, I think people probably did more kind of cross training. I, I know the Europeans a lot, a lot still do, but I think people used to do kind of more like typical base training or that kind of thing. And I I think most people have gotten more away from that if they're still doing it a little bit. I um, also think one of the main advances has just been in technique. Everyone's just gotten a lot smarter when it comes to gait form riding technique, all that, especially even in the last five years, it's advanced quite a bit. I think those things have changed a lot. Um, I would say people too are more, are a lot smarter with, uh, timing and frequency of workouts. Like I think the volume is, is more evenly dispersed or more. It's, um, it's programmed in a smarter way. I think instead of just doing the same schedule and blitzing people with stuff. I think you, I think you really need to be careful with, um, timing, frequency and volume, and that's where you can get a lot of bang for your buck without really changing a lot of the workouts. So I think that is, that's improved a lot.
1: I think that's a huge one. That's a good one too. Really important one. Um, as a coach, how do you think, how specific do you think workouts need to be how BMX specific do exercises and movements need to be
0: like in the gym? You mean, yeah gym or yeah, basically in the gym, basically off bike stuff. I think that could be a slippery slope because for sure it's good to do stuff that's specific, you know, one leg squats, one leg plyos, that kind of thing. I think sometimes people try and do it, do things that are too specific and they try and just recreate a, a certain lift to make it almost identical to the pedal stroke. So I think it's, it's good to be training in a specific way to be fast on the bike. Like I said, challenge yourself with one leg workouts and stuff. But at a certain point, I think too, old school way is good. And it's just like, if you got to get strong, just get strong. I and mean, Just get strong. It doesn't really matter. And then do, do something specific on the bike. So I, like personally, I try and do a bit of a blend. Like I'll do one leg stuff in the gym, but then at certain points too, you just kind of have basic, more so basic lifts. So I think it depends on the rider, but I also, I, I don't think you can reinvent the wheel too much in the gym. And I don't think you're going to get a huge benefit from doing that.
1: That's fair. I've heard a lot of people talk, some people talk about how get strong in the gym, use your sprints to learn how to use that strength and transfer it into the pedals. So then you can use it on the track. Would you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think a lot of track and field coaches preach that they're like, just get strong in the gym and then we'll run fast. And it's kind of the same concept. Like you just get strong or an explosive in the gym and then teach yourself how to sprint on the bike and then go fast on the track. But I think you, it, I don't think it, it, it should be black and white. I don't think anything in training is black and white.
1: No, for I sure. think there's
0: certain you can challenge yourself in the gym that make it slightly more specific. Like, I don't think you should just be doing full squats all year. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and yeah, I think you, at a certain time, squats are good. And then at a certain time, maybe something like a box step up or is, um, or some other one leg plows are more applicable to what you're doing.
1: Side note, I saw this, this, um, We'll get back to this. I saw this Instagram girl fall Instagram bottle. I follow on Instagram doing these squats. She was posting her story about her squats. Really, she's just showing her butt off in the in the in the story. Let's be real. That's all it was. Her squat was barely a quarter squat. She was posting how she just hit the certain weight and that she was very excited about hitting the certain weight. It was barely a quarter squat, dude. I was like. You're not doing anything with that. What do we mean? You just, that's not a squat. Like that's just bending your knees a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You're still knee bends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, okay. Getting kind of back to that. Like I have another question that I've been kind of contemplating a lot is there's the two different, let's say theories of a lot of people will say when it comes to gearing or something in the winter time, get a big gear on, learn how to push it and then, but when you start getting into race season, learn how to spin it and the counter to that is the opposite where you you learn how to spin the legs through the winter and then as you get into race season and you've been working out more you learn how to just push a big a bigger gear a little more as you go what do, what do you think about that
0: yeah you totally. the old school mentality is like are oh, we going to run a huge ass gear in the winter we're going to do like an accumulation hypertrophy phase and we're going to do a max strength phase and we're going to start getting explosive and do short sprints before the first race <laughs> like it's so It's so cookie cutter. It just like, sure. It it might work for a certain type of rider, but I think if you're, if you're looking at off season as a time to improve or time to really like build for the year on something you need to work on. And like, I was just programming a lot of the off season stuff for my riders now after the grands, it's like, you got to look at the physical profile of the rider. So if the physical profile of the rider, if they're already really strong and say, just as an easy example, they're good on flat Hills, that kind of thing. And You know, they can't spin on on supercross. Their goal is to go fast on supercross. Well, it's like, why would you give them huge gears for months in the winter? It doesn't really make sense. Like, I think you'll get more bang for your buck with that rider, probably doing more normal gear and slightly under gear stuff and get them ready for the year that way because they're already good on the strength side. So I don't think a like, there's no blanket approach that works with training. I think you need to look at the rider specifically and see what they need to work on. So for instance, too, like in the past, People are like, okay, you know, we're going to do road rides this time of year. We're going to, in the off season, we're going to do super long ass sprints to build like a a base in quotations, so they always say, and then we're going to go to super short. It's like, well, a lot of track and field, and I use that example a lot because it's really similar to us. A lot of really good track and field coaches do the opposite. So they'll do like 10 meter sprints in the off season and then slowly build out. And their theory is, okay, we'll get super fast at 10 meters. And then once we're more or less at how fast we can go to 10 meters we'll we'll stretch it out to 20 30 to 50 to 100 and they kind of piece the race together that way and that makes a lot of sense for us too so i think a lot of coaches do that way um there's obviously some that still believe in the long to short method but you kind of got to go with your gut and what what's suitable for the rider as well
1: the classic tiger coach theory mentality is work from the green back to the tee Do you think that's Mm -hmm. applicable on the track, but different when it comes to your physical speed on the bike? So when it comes to meaning like maybe on the track with the skill side, you're coaching somebody younger, you work, you work basically from the finish line back. Let's get your skills all sorted on the small jumps, then the big jumps, and then we'll get you your skills on the gate. And then speed wise, when you're kind of trying to get somebody fast, you do that opposite where you do 10 meters and we'll slowly get further and further.
0: I think in terms of the skills thing. Yeah. And like with pH 2 I used to do some more foundational stuff in the winter with skills like we would ride mostly normal tracks and do more foundational skills and then get up to like supercross and that kind of thing. And the theory with a the short to long approach for sprinting and it's, I personally think makes way more sense because if you, it's like, okay, you say you do long sprints in the winter, then you just make it shorter, shorter, shorter before the first race. It's like the theory doesn't really make sense, I don't think. It's like, okay, you're sprinting, say, say for us, you're sprinting, okay, you're doing 80-meter sprints, and then all of a sudden you're going to drop down to, like, 50 and 20, and you're just going to be super fast in that area. Like, you're kind of not. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really – I don't think it really transfers, whereas if you go short to long, I think you can build onto your sprint distances and be more complete that way. I think – fit. Also, if a rider is not as fit or hasn't trained as long, they might have to do more general fitness or longer stuff to be able to handle races, which is kind of different. But anyway, some coaches will still stand by like going long to short for sprinting. It, everyone, There's so many ways to skin a cat.
1: Yeah, totally. It's it's fun to hear different perspectives and everyone can hear a different one and maybe learn something from it. Like I listen to you. I feel like I'm learning little bits here and there. Um, what about like the, yeah, the length of a track? Talking about that, like you're talking about Obviously, you need a little, we call it endurance. You need to be able to do a full lap. A lot of, let's say, sprint coaches aren't often that worried about it. They say, you know, it's a 35-second lap. Like, you don't need that. Like, don't worry about your endurance kind of thing. It's only 35 seconds. But at the same time, we have to do it multiple times throughout a day. Is there Mm -hmm. a difference there? A difference in what? A difference in, like, needing endurance because we have to go multiple times throughout a day or in a day?
0: Yeah, for sure you need like a general endurance and fitness base no question you've been in such good shape because we have to repeat such an explosive effort so many times and most of the sports don't i think if you if you if you're having trouble like finishing a race day or finishing laps like if you're gassed by the last corner or you can't recover you probably need to do some more full laps or half laps or general fitness stuff or some lactate stuff to be able to handle it i think if you if you're someone who who can finish full laps with full, like full cast the whole way. And you don't have a problem repeating efforts on the weekend. You don't really need to spend time improving that because it's like you have, um, every athlete, especially in sprint sports, you have a limited capacity of what you can fit in a day and fit into training week. So if you're spending a lot of time on being able to repeat efforts and more on the f- kind of fitness or lactate side, you're taking away from some explosive training and strength training you could be doing. So you have to balance that and think, okay, well, where am I most efficient and what can I maybe sacrifice a little bit? Because mm-hmm. so I think some people think they need to do more, they need to do longer efforts and work harder, but it's like, well, if you're not having trouble finishing laps or races, why bother? You're kind of wasting your time. I think you're, the time would be better suited or better fitted towards just creating more speed and becoming more powerful, I think. And it's like, if you, you're always going to be tired at the end of a lap because the more fast, which fibers you recruit, the more lactate you produce and you're going to be tired no matter what, it's such an explosive movement. So the goal isn't to not be tired at the end of the lap. I think the goal should be, okay, I'm going to produce lactate and be tired, but I'm able to push through it and repeat it. And if you can do that, I think you're fine. Yeah,
1: I agree. And I would also add on to the, say how the, the ability to flush it out of your system, like that's the part
0: of the big part too. Yeah. 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 Like Especially so much- bigger races. If you have less time, you need to be able to flush it quick. True, true.
1: Like someone like Carlos doesn't need to be worrying about doing full laps every week. He's fine. He rides at altitude yeah. all the time. He can complete a full lap on on whim. It's fine.
0: <laughs> I think you can have like a general outline of the months of like phases you're going to do, yeah. but you, you kind of need to change on the fly. Like training is it's like trying to solve a puzzle and the pieces keep changing because some race you, you think you might be have it all, but you might be dying down the last straight or you might be missing some strength and then you'll have to do a different phase than you thought. So I don't think you can. I think you can plan the off season, but I think you have to just react and how you're, or see how you're doing at the races and go from there.
1: That's fair. Yeah. And a lot of the time it feels like you start to work on one thing, you get that better, but while you're working on that or being sp- specific on that, the thing you were good at before maybe starts to, to lack a little bit.
0: Yeah. It's like playing a game of whack-a-mole. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can only hit so many at, at one time, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Um, question here in the chat from Glenn castle, leg press or squats? Very general, open question.
0: Yeah, I think, I think in general, if someone, if a coach gives you an answer, like you should always do this, I don't, I don't really agree with it because I don't think he, with training, there's never like a black and white. You should do this. You should do 20 meter sprints. No, you should do 50. It's like, I think it's all subjective for a small, the coach. And also, what do you, what are you working on? Like, what's your, you should always ask yourself, what's the goal of this workout? And if you can't think of a goal for it, you probably need to scrap it because you're wasting your time. So there's always always should you should always know the clear intention of what you're doing and what you're trying to improve. So they're both good exercises. I think leg press is safe, safer for an athlete, maybe that's hurt or can't squat maybe with their back, or if they're really looking to go heavy, it's I think it's safer. Um I think if you can squat, if you're able to and your back's fine and all that, I think it's a it's a better exercise overall.
1: I mean, it's, it's very much a full body other than maybe yeah, uh, like body. some of your arms or whatnot. It's a very full body.
0: Yeah. I know when I race, I feel like I got more out of it. I noticed more benefits when I squatted for long, longer periods of time, instead of doing like press for longer periods of time. But yeah. You
1: know. How about bands? <laughs> I'm just asking all the que- all these questions, you know, this is coach T, Tory, Terry, Tori, whatever we're going to call us this, this little corner here training corner on chatter today we're just getting all the uh the,
0: the goods i do i love talking training it's so fun i i really like it like i love talking about it with other coaches and stuff it's really cool i'm glad um what was, wait what was the question again i got what, what,
1: how do we feel about bands
0: oh bands yeah they're good like i did um squats, squats with bands when i was um when i was racing i haven't pro honestly i haven't programmed much with riders come to think of it I think they're a good tool to use. Like you could use it in more of a speed strength phase as well in the gym, but I haven't, I haven't used them a ton actually as a coach. I
1: feel like there's so thinking about it now, like there's so many different things as a coach you can oh. program. It's just, Oh my what Just put, putting your hand into a big bucket of all these different like Lego pieces. And then like, all right, this bucket is what we're doing for speed and strength. This one's for max strengthening.
0: Just pick out. Okay. Let's do this one it can be a little overwhelming at times. That's why I think sometimes you just got to keep it a little simpler.
1: Fair. Yeah. Fair enough. Right.
0: Yeah. Eat, there's just, but there's so, there's a million ways to eat an apple. It's
1: true. <laughs> yeah. True. Um, another question here, Chris Wilkinson says, what age do you go from own body weight exercise to lifting any sort of
0: weight? Oh, it's a tough question. Now, that's been like, they've that's been one they've debated in research a lot i think the last 30 years too it depends i think more than anything it depends on how you move as as a adolescent or teenager because if you if you're really coordinated and move well i don't see anything wrong with doing lightweights like obviously if you're 12 you're not going to be doing f- full squats <laughs> like it's just not a i don't think a great <laughs> thing to do but. I don't think there's nothing wrong. I think with being 12 and doing some squats, holding dumbbells or doing some lunges, holding lightweights or, yeah, or doing some core stuff on a Swiss ball. Like I, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think, I think you have to be smart. Like you can't load up and it's not like you should be maxing out a squat when you're 12, but I don't think my personal opinion. I don't think if, if you're moving well and everything, I don't see any, any harm in doing that. In my opinion.
1: No. And like thinking about it, just logically like to me. Yeah. Kid doing, doing lunges with some dumbbells. How can that be bad for them? Like that can only make yeah. you stronger. It's, it's really not, you're not being able to hold enough to do any harm to your joints or your spine or anything like that. In my opinion, like just thinking about it logically.
0: Yeah. And I think there's some, I think there's some research too. on like, if you're, while you're going through your teenage years and puberty and everything, you can actually make some pretty big, big gains in strength doing that.
1: Dude, yeah, I can imagine that's a big time because as a, as a child or just, yeah, like you said, going through puberty, your body's growing like crazy. And if you target specific areas that your body thinks needs to develop and grow because you've been
0: working out, man, you must just yeah. boom. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a teenager, we had like fitness and fitness class in school and I worked out a bit with my dad when I was probably 13, 14, like at the fire hall, they had a gym. and I'd go there after school and I just do lightweights and yeah, you know, I mean, I didn't think there's anything wrong with it.
1: That's cool. I used to, <laughs> Thinking about that, I used to be in grade 11, grade 12. We'd have fitness class too. We'd go to the rec center for our last class of the day. I'd hit the old, um, what are the old hamstring curl machine. I'd hit the old <laughs> quad press machine. I would just think I'm doing the most work ever. I'm like, I'm just getting so strong right now.
0: <laughs> I have no idea what well, I'm
1: doing, but I'm just hitting these
0: things, baby. <laughs> you know what's interesting in our sport to see who Olympic lifts and who doesn't in the gym.
1: It's very common now. Hey.
0: Yeah. And it's like, like, again, it's just, it's, it's a really good tool. I think to use, like if you can hang clean or clean or even, even snatch, like, I don't think we, especially snatch, I don't think we need it in our sport, but if you can do it, like if your techniques good, you can get benefits. I think you can do similar things, similar exercises or different complexes, and you get the same desired outcome. But I think the issue with Olympic lifting is first that it takes so long to be good at it because the technique is so hard there's pretty high risk of injury. And it's like, if you, if you have to spend a year or so or two, like getting proficient at the technique, like you could have spent that time elsewhere doing something else and getting a similar desired effect. And it's probably a better use of your time.
1: It's a really good point. I I had a chat with a random guy at the gym actually the other day about like that and Olympic lifting and saying he was like kind of surprised that I was doing it. And I said, well, it's actually like, it's quite common now. In a lot of the sports mm. and in our sport is specifically to be doing cleans and Olympic lifts and whatnot. And we were talking about how, how important form is when it comes to those, those exercises, because if you don't have good form, yeah, you're, you're prone. You're going to, you're going to cause injury a lot of the time. You're not going to be able to do a lot of weight. It's just, it's just a lot of bad news. Um, but I think if you do have good technique, I mean, I, I agree it is probably very beneficial, but I do think it is something that if you can learn it at an earlier age, the technique better off because yeah, once you start getting older, if once you're older and you don't know the technique, you're going to feel like you want to go heavy, but you really shouldn't be because your technique sucks.
0: Yeah. And at that point, it's like, don't bother. I don't think it's smart to bother. Like
1: the, and the few times I think we, we had Kit, Kit Wong, our strength coach teach us Olympic lifts pretty early. And I think it's helped Mm a lot, um, like learning it early, learning good technique, but even still, I don't feel comfortable going ass to grass on a clean all the time. Not that I even think it's beneficial to go ass to grass on a clean. Like if I'm not catching it high to me, I don't feel like I'm really getting much out of it. I might as well just deadlift it.
0: Yeah. And definitely we have like with kit, we used to max it out too, like in the winter, Yeah, which is like, I think there's like, I don't think it's, you really need to, but it's like, it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of good to challenge yourself and get a stimulation like that. It's just kind of like, I think once in a while it's not bad, but it's certainly not like, I don't think it's needed. Cause it's kind of, it's kind of sketchy. Like, especially with a clean.
1: I mean, a lot of times I'd be scared going into the days we're going to max a clean. I still am. Like when we have in our program now, if, we're, if we have 95 or 100% max effort cleans, I'm like, I'm nervous going to the session because I know it's like, I'm either going to get it and it's great, or I'm going to have to go to the floor and I'm scared that my technique's not going to be good enough to to hold it properly.
0: Yeah. And I don't think we, I don't think we get a massive benefit from catching a weight that low and having a full squat. It. I don't really think, I don't think it transfers really on the bike.
1: I agree. I don't think I've ever, I don't think we've ever had programmed in like full cleans. Cause that's not like a thing for us. Like, yes, it happens sometimes, but it's like, it's not the goal ever. No, I don't
0: think. Yeah, I agree. Yeah.
1: Hmm. The only who can clean a shit ton is Ryan Tugas. Obviously he's a horse. We know that. We talk about You're him all the time. More. The <laughs> just, just, just pulls up to his chin. It's crazy, man. He just, yeah. Three pies on there. Just casual clean. No big deal. Whatever.
0: You know, it's a really good exercise for us. I think clean pulls are really good. That's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. Like high poles. Yeah. Those are for us. Those are really good. Pure concentric explosive.
1: Don't have to worry about the catch at all. You just go heavy. Mm. Oh, we have a, we have a random, um, robot in our chat. Girls 18 dot site says beautiful girls here. Nice.
0: (laughs) Thanks for listening to the show.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, classic. That was great. I like that chat. I like talking about that stuff and just asking you and getting your opinion and hearing it. If, if Where can people come get some coaching tea if they need it?
0: Uh, TorreyNyhog.com. You can fill out a form or just reach out to me on social media too. Happy to, happy to, happy to chat if you're interested.
1: Go get yours today, guys. It's good.
0: Um, yeah. Here's. I was going to say, if you're interested in any online training or training programs or video review sessions. Here's
1: a, here's a question for you and I'll answer it first. to so give you time to think about one. What's the most ridiculous thing you've done in training as a kid or an adult, either for fun or for seriousness or whatever. So mine was back in the day, me and my dad would do this for fun. I'd go to Ridge a lot of the times to do gates. Not many people would be at the track riding. And it was when like, I think random call was coming into play and I started watching the lights. So I wanted to learn how to just watch the lights, whatever. So my dad would be there. He'd press the button on the the call box. The call box would start going. And as they would start talking he'd just turn the volume off on me and i'd say the rest of the call in my head and i just know when to look for the lights and i just sit there and wait for the lights to go and then i'd gate and i remember that it was just like kind of fun to do it's pretty smart yeah, that's pretty cool hey it's a good way to learn just to like learn to watch the lights because at the time i think that was when random gate was still new so
0: and remember that one time at chula we were doing we were all doing sprints like five years ago when it rained me and nick ended up doing 50 sprints <laughs> <laughs> no joke. We did 50, like 20 meter box sprints. That was the box sprint world championships. <laughs> Dude, I think It was crazy. I think we both got like one of our PB times in the 40 something is sprint.
1: It's crazy.
0: The fact that like sometimes you don't realize you can just, if you want to, you can just keep going. Yeah. Honestly, you kind of get into a groove too. Cause I remember the last like 10 to 20. Yeah. We kind of weren't really taking breaks. We just do a sprint kind of cruise back catch your breath, get set up and go. You kind of just get into a groove and I'll, you almost get a second wind. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it is like you're, you're seriously seriously capable of doing so much more than you think you can do physically.
1: I've heard like of a lot of people doing it every now and again. And like Nick long, Nick's big thing back in the day was he would do 25, 30 gates, no problem at night. And even I thought it was mm-hmm. crazy. And I started doing it one year for a bunch of months at a time where like every few days I'd go do a bunch of gates at night, and a lot of the times You'd bang out of the first, like, let's say five to 10. They would all be good rhythm. You kind of, I felt like I'd always slump a little bit in the middle, but you try to bring it up. And then when you know you have like, let's say five left, you're like 20 to 25, you can get your body back in check and just like
0: get some PB mm. times there a lot of the time. I need, I took two days off after I was so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> My back was so sore and I felt so tired. 50 is no easy task. I remember because we had the timers out and like the, I
1: think the batteries ran out in the timers and like your mom was there and you're like, mom, can you go to Walmart, and get us some batteries? So she took off <laughs> yeah. for like 20 minutes and you guys just kept yeah. banging out the sprints. Obviously just kept going.
0: I know that was so, you know, was, I I thought of another time. So me and PH were training in France and AX at the French center on supercross. I think I did 12 gates or something and the times were all pretty close. And he, he was seeing like how much he, how far you could push me. So we just started doing gates back to back. We did like 18 gates or something. And one of my fastest, I think I had like my second fastest time on the 16th one or something. And then I was getting kind of tired, even though the times were dropping off, I was getting tired. So we stopped, but you're capable of doing a shit ton before you actually drop off. Like we usually stop at what, 10 to 12 typically.
1: Typically, yeah. But
0: if you really wanted to, like you could keep going more, than, more often than not. Yeah.
1: It's kind of cool to think about. Yeah. You know, and here's a here's a random training question here for you. So, if anyone knows Bryson DeChambeau in the golf world, he went on this spree to, to make his drives way further, so he hit the ball a mile long, it felt like. His thing was, and I, one of his ideas was, there was some science behind it where he would do a bunch of swings repetitively over and over and over, like PH was kind of making you do, but I think his was not to see how long he could go. There was a reason behind it. I don't exactly know. And this is a problem with my question, but... <laughs> Is there there something to that, do you think, where it's like in sprints or something, if you're trying to get... I don't even know what you're trying to get out of it, but you do like, let's say, 10 sprints back to back to back, and then you take a break maybe and then do another 10. And maybe it is like three, four pedals, because, I mean, a golf swing is extremely short. Maybe it's just a snap one, two, three, four. And maybe you don't, obviously, yeah.
0: Logically, if you logically for instance if you're working on gate form and you're able to repeat it 30 times in a session instead of 12 like you're going to make more lasting effects because think about it if you're say it might take you three sessions to do 30 but if you can do it in one i mean you're making some making some bigger benefits especially if you're if your gate form that day is good and you're repeating good form that would be a benefit do you you don't know the reason he was doing it over and over again
1: i can't remember something to do with speed like he felt like not, he felt like there was something to do. Like if he did more, he, everyone, he could try to, he could up at the speed a little bit more in his golf swing. Every oh, you time. know
0: what? I've kind of done that in golf too. And it, it actually does work. Like if you're trying to increase your club head speed. Yeah. I've, I mean, yeah, yeah I've, I've done the same kind of, yeah, I mean, I've tried it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's fucking fun to work on your, speaking of golf, don't put a ball on the tee and just absolutely swing your dick off and see how fast you can swing the club. God, it's so fun.
1: First off, no, thanks. My back already hates that
0: idea. <laughs> but like, the, it's interesting. So in, speaking of golf, as an example, the guys that want to work on their club head speed, that's like their overspeed training. So they won't put a ball in the tee yeah. on the range. Just fucking swing as hard as they can. It's crazy. Like as yeah. hard as they can. Yeah. And that way, obviously, swinging out of your shoes. Yeah, but then you put, ball, you put a ball on the tee and you swing like normal and your speed's higher than you typically would, would be. And yeah. you're still... You'll slower than you, what you just were. It's the same kind of idea as us doing an overspeed, like sprint on the roller and then doing a gate or something.
1: Yeah, fair enough. Say so Very similar, right? Yeah. I like this chat. What, what more questions do I got for you? Because I've kind of tried, we're talking about that golf swing thing. I've tried it on my single man gates a little bit before, whereas like do a gate, turn around, come back, do another one. And I would do like three or four, try them and I'd get kind of tired. So I'd be in the gate, like I'd go to hold my breath in the gate and I would be like kind of tired, like this gate needs to drop quickly or else I'm going to black out kind of
0: deal,
1: (laughs) not actually. It's
0: really, it really helps for, um, like for instance, late in the day, if you're tired and feeling like lackadaisical, if you're used to repeating a shit ton of gates, especially when you're tired and not even just repeating gates when you're tired, like high quality ones where you put out high power and your time similar, you can repeat it way easier at the race than you can, than you would, if you didn't do that training that explanation i did probably yeah. didn't probably explain it very well but it yeah. helps it basically helps you repeat starts throughout the race day even yeah. no matter how you're feeling
1: yeah i get that i get what you're saying about that yeah yeah that's cool
0: helps with helps a lot with consistency i found it did for me because i felt sometimes that if i got a little fatigued or kind of lax or whatever it was a lot harder to keep good form but after we did that type of training for a bit i had no problem
1: yeah it's fair i remember um I guess it kind of relates to that. Is I remember seeing, I think it was a video, a YouTube video of Mark Rillers back in the day, talking about how when he started to get more tired later in the day, he almost started to have better gates. Mm. Kind of interesting. I think maybe that's kind of mental. Maybe you start mentally just feeling comfortable, and maybe something your brain turns off or turns on a little bit. One of the two, uh, or yeah. maybe it's just like he gets into a rhythm because that's what he's used to doing in training. I don't know.
0: More of a razor sharp focus, probably. Yeah. Yeah. very cool oh love training talk yeah we got to keep this segment for the for the radio shows coach's corner
1: yeah we'll do this every now and again because it's i mean like i said i always have questions and sometimes it's fun to ask you and hear your opinion
0: yeah it's i, I love talking about training yeah. it's fun
1: um should we lighten the mood a little bit with a game
0: let's do it let's play a game all right um hold on everyone wait a second
1: here we go We are back this week with another episode of everyone's fan favorite, true or false game. It's been a hot minute since we've done one of these, but true or false. Uh, We're each gonna say three things, three statements. We gotta guess if it's true or false. Um, Got my buzzers ready.
0: Just laughing at Chris Wilkinson's comment, Coffee Chatter has made it even getting spammed now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's how you know you really made it.
0: That's how you really did make it, yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> all right. First one. I'll go first. Yep. First one. True or false? Corbin Shirah almost signed a deal with vans to race flats at the Olympics.
0: False. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be unbelievable. That'd be unbelievable.
1: I be, I, of all people, I, would, I think he could have done that.
0: Imagine. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. I needed to. It was whatever. And
1: he, man, it'd be so cool. And he, he would be able to ride flats so good, and I'm sure
0: so. Anyways, your turn. Oh, we were supposed to come up with true and false. Well, fuck. <laughs> what I, <did> you- <laughs> dude, I totally, I'm going to be honest. I totally forgot what the segment was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you mean you just forgot?
0: <laughs> going to be honest. I totally forgot what the segment was. You, when I said let's do the true or false, here's you're a, like, "Yeah, yeah for I, sure." Here's what I assume, because you, you, obviously you're doing the show notes this week. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And you're like, want to do true and false?" So like, yeah, sure. I totally forgot that that meant I had to get some ready. <laughs> <laughs> All but right, let me think. Let me. I'll, I'll do one. How many do you got? I got three. Do I want me to
1: hit you with my three now, or do you want to try to think of one right now?
0: No, no, no I'll um, I'll think of one real quick.
1: Okay, I'll talk amongst myself okay okay
0: okay okay who did Elise Willoughby ride for when she first turned elite women
1: when she first turned elite women I might get this there's two two similar companies in my head that I'm trying to pick between Frick. It was Formula or event Bombshell. Am I close with the two? Mm. Or was it FM? It's one of them? Okay, so I am, it's one of them. Um, I'm gonna go with Formula, final answer.
0: It might've been CMC.
1: What is CMC?
0: <laughs> it used to be another team. Oh, I don't that. know if it was Formula or CMC. I'm not sure of the answer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: about how well this game's going right now all right let me hit you with my let me just hit you with my other two of them all right i'm pretty yeah, okay it was probably for yeah, me <laughs> that wasn't a true or false question either oh
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so okay this is, this is this is something all right all right next one
1: all right next question um i oh, will stick with the elise one all right okay elise got a fine from the uci after bogota for having too many sponsors on her sleeves
0: <laughs> this sounds so true. Like that would be something so ridiculous. I'm gonna go with false though.
1: I, know, I made that one up.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing though, I wouldn't be surprised.
1: Dude, she's got so many on her sleeve. It's crazy.
0: Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised that you say I was like, you know what? No, this is you know, you're you're making too much money here. We gotta, <laughs> we gotta trim
1: it. You need to share a little bit. Come on now.
0: That's something I never understood. Like, why? Why does it matter how many sponsors people have on their jerseys or sleeves or whatever? It's for like the I think look. it should be free reign, free reign fucking fucking put whatever you want you're a billboard do whatever you want. Don't even get me started on look because we allow skin suits now.
1: At the first of all yeah, it's ridiculous that we pretty much do. but isn't it free reign isn't it already a thing that the people can do whatever they want pretty much except uh, except for uh, world champions with the rainbows and placements there?
0: pretty sure it used to be you can only have a couple spots but
1: probably not now yeah. no i mean maybe it is because i mean a lot of people only have a few of them i feel like it's more all the countries are very precise with where their logo placements are or sponsor placements it's all it's people that have their regular sponsor gear that it's all over mm. anyways um all right last one i heard in grants that speedco asked kenny g to ride for for speedco uh, but he said he only shows up to the grants to make pros look bad
0: False. (laughs) MEG was fucking pulling at the ground. He was pulling.
1: I'm trying to picture his bike and I kind of feel like he was riding. I know he's riding like a, I think a Cromoli I want to say like a, a standard or I don't know, something of that range. But I'm pretty sure he had a carbon fork on it, which is just kind of funny.
0: All right. I got one. All right. Hit me with it. True or false? Paul Lang won Rockford AA pro in 2003.
1: Was Paul Lang the guy on the pink bike? Yeah. Yeah. He won. <laughs> yes. Yeah, true.
0: No, it was John Purst.
1: John Purst was on the pink bike or he won 2003.
0: He won 2003. Okay. So I got it wrong.
1: Didn't Paul Lang win mm. that though. No, wasn't there. I thought I saw a video of a pink bike winning. I must've been wrong. must've been a moto. Mm. Yeah. Good question that's yeah, the... I'll
0: be more I'll be more prepared, be more
1: prepared. <laughs> that's the game show
0: <laughs>
1: okay enough of that <laughs> it's
0: been so long since it did true or false yeah I, yeah completely Fair. fucked that one up
1: um, let's get to a little quick shots and then we'll uh, close out the show yep all right quick shot questions brought to you by the fans of coffee chatter and all the chatties um that's that writing is. I need to make that larger. My eyes are not good enough to see the image I put on my computer. From uh, Gene Ganson Tacomas or Forerunners?
0: Tacomas, duh.
1: Tacos. I mean, I mean, they're both cool trucks, but yeah. Am I going to Genty?
0: I'm just opening it now. Go for
1: it. Are the beers cold? 34. Classic. I guy, Dan. <laughs> How was it seeing that kid crash after doing his whip and throw his bike over the line?
0: Which kid was that?
1: I don't know. Was that the guy that blew his foot in the semi? Because I don't think that was on purpose whip. That was an ejecto I I
0: don't know if I saw it. Oh, you mean the, the 1720 semi?
1: That's my only guess here. Damn, we're gonna need some clarification
0: from thunder midget if you could only run one clip pedal which foot would you run it on forward or back foot
1: i saw this and i was thinking about it i'm thinking Mm -hmm. i would basically use the clip for my start so to help my first pedal get around quicker because on flats that's i feel like the toughest part maybe the second pedal is the toughest part oh good i don't know now hmm I was going to say I'd put it on my, my left foot, which in the gate is my back foot. And then when I ride, that's my front foot. I was thinking maybe I could get out of the gate a little quicker with my back foot, pull a little with the left foot with the clip. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'd rather have it on my second pedal to pull with my second pedal to get me through that one quicker.
0: So you'd rather have it on your left foot, you saying?
1: I'm saying I'd rather have it on my right, but my second pedal is already so bad and my pulling with my right foot is terrible that I'm going to go left foot. I choose left foot. <laughs>
0: I think logic would say to have your back foot with your clip. Yeah, I guess you, I guess you gotta, I'd go with right, I guess. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Fair enough. Um, lazy dot wheezy. Would you rather do a lap with a foot cramp or right on the edge of peeing? On the edge of peeing. Yeah. I'd choose that too. I mean, foot cramp, it just sucks. I can hold it in for a lap. I can hold it in for 40 seconds.
0: Um this is similar from Kai Altendorf. Do you have to you have to go pee really bad? Your moto is ten motos away. Do you go to the bathroom or hold it?
1: If I'm in the pro class, I absolutely go. That's like 10 minutes at least.
0: Yep. Amateurs, I think you're locked in.
1: I, I think you're in for the ride at that point. You're middle of the shoot. You're not getting out of there.
0: I don't think you're getting out. No, no. I don't think you got it. I don't think you can risk it.
1: Uh, from MK six 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 BMX. Can we please lock up? Posting a pic or video of friends ripping with the caption of a goat. I mean, you got to save the goat for the goats. Save it for oh. it's meaningful. Of what? Of a, a, the emoji of a goat. You know, greatest of all time.
0: Yeah, for what though? A when friend you're friends ripping?
1: When you're, I don't know, posting it. Can we please lock up posting a pic okay. or video of friends ripping?
0: Yeah, the goat symbols. Yeah, yeah. You got to save gotta, that for the
1: people it. that deserve it.
0: Gotta keep it a little special, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um from Torque uh N272. Do you think USABMX should include a medicine care package for the grands?
0: Yes. They should they should just or include like a ten dollar CPS gift card or something.
1: <laughs> <laughs> a time on cold and flu, that'd be cool.
0: Yeah, you get some like daytime and nighttime deals. Yeah.
1: Um do yeah, you want me to go through But I got more?
0: Sure,
1: go for it. From Cheetah Brian, best bike that you aren't sponsored by. So we can't pick huh. S Squared or Claiborne.
0: No.
1: I'm gonna. Hmm. I'll pick three. Three options. I think are are good brands. I think. I think Chase, Speedco, and GW, and Mabo. I think they're all good. Those are good options.
0: Yeah speedco bikes are pretty sick
1: they're they're nasty aren't they
0: those are I think those are pretty
1: cool anytime you got a, a just a matte carbon where you can just see the the weaves so cool
0: do you like working on your bike it
1: brings me a sense of peace and calm and satisfaction yes it's not like I I don't always look forward to it I look forward to building a new bike I love building a new bike
0: oh really yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah and I just worked on my bike before I came in. It's funny, as soon as, if anybody out there has, is in a position where they're able to have two bikes, as soon as you have two bikes, one of them always becomes the bad bike. and One always becomes the race bike. And when you got to work on the bad bike, it feels like you're just wasting your time.
0: It just feels like you're doing nothing good here. I, I hate working the bike. I wish, especially if I got a new bike, I wish I could just give something, give it all to someone and have them do it. Or just like, it would have been nice after train just to give it to someone and then them just dial it in fair fair i mean or at, the, or at the races just give it to someone and they can just dial it in and clean it and have it perfect for the next day that would, would have not, been never, nice. never really had that but that would have been unbelievable
1: i wish somebody could clean my bike for me after races all the time that would be awesome when it comes to putting a new bike together i think because i've always done it and i know the specific things that i like and even just knowing that certain bolts are greased and that The things like when I put it together, I know it's it's running well. I know how it's running. I know I like how it's running.
0: The only thing I'd want to do is I I wish I could give it to someone is have them do everything. I would only be like, okay, call me over when I need to like put my bars in the right spot. Yeah, when I need to line up my bars and like line up the angle, then I'll do that. But otherwise, just go for it. Okay, then free reigns otherwise. Free range, just make whatever breaks. I don't really care. Just make them like decent and we're good. <laughs> okay, so I, I know you ran your bars a little
1: crook as well. I can't remember which way you yeah. ran yours crooked. I run mine, I think to the left. Ryan, rides his.
0: Wait, wait, you run yours. Which, which grip is back left. So I'm turned to the left a little bit. Okay. So I run it a little opposite. I, so which makes sense. Cause I'm left foot forward in the gate. So I go right arm is a little bit back or right hands, right hands back, left arms forward.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cause so Ryan Tugas, he, uh, his bike is the opposite. He runs his bars to the right. So when I get on his bike, the bars feel astronomically crooked.
0: <laughs> they feel like they're just
1: 45 degrees. <laughs> it's like, how do you ride this thing? But obviously he gets on mine and thinks the exact same thing. It's impossible to make them straight. There's no point in making them straight. Learn to ride them crooked.
0: Just, just, yeah, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter. As long as you get in the gate and you're comfortable, that's the only thing that matters. Yeah.
1: Uh, a few more questions here. We'll rip through them from T. Dot O. Josh. Larson. Would you rather always hit a red light for the rest of your life, or get slow internet after the sun goes down? Oh, it's tough. I'll take slow internet after the sun gets down and just learn to, I don't know, watch TV or just put up with talking to people in person.
0: <laughs> the business is done at that point. I mean, whatever. Yeah. So I'd probably, I probably put the Wi-Fi too. Yeah.
1: Um. From double underscore B underscore five, two, one. Should novice riders be allowed to race pro ams? It just kind of seems silly. I mean, you should be allowed, but it kind of seems
0: silly too. Although I think a lot of ams, like, even though they obviously, if they're novice, they know they're not going to do well, but if say like, I don't know, say Joris is racing in a pro am, they just think it's cool to be able to in the same gate as him.
1: That's a good point. Yeah. I think they love the opportunity to to have a picture or even just know they lined up next to him in a race.
0: Yeah, because remember that big prom we did like five years ago in Surrey when they had a lot of money up and everything?
1: Yeah.
0: I remember people just really liking lining up next to us, which is like, that's, I never, I never thought of that because my initial instinct would be like, oh, if you don't have a chance to do well, like, why would you bother in a prom like that? You race against like fucking double A's. Yeah. But then it's like, yeah, you might just like the experience and just be like, you know, so cool. I got to line up against Joris and I'm just, just, yeah being the same gate as him which is a thrill for a lot of people and that i think that's really cool
1: that is really cool i think i had um i had a question i was thinking about it.
0: think about it if we're, if we're lining up in a golf tournament like if we could play with justin thomas like obviously Dude. he's gonna do by 20 but of course we're gonna
1: yeah i don't give a fuck i just want to tee off on the same tee box in the same group as him
0: exact exact yeah. same thing wanna do yeah
1: that's a really good point um I, I think we will say, maybe save, I don't need to need to ask this. I'll save it for another show or if anything. But I had a question of like, basically asking like, what's so good about BMX? Why do people love BMX? Like, what is BMX to you kind of thing? And I think because to a lot of people around the world, like not everyone wins races all the time. Not everyone, there's not enough people that can win races all the time. There's not enough race in the world, whatever. Some people are better than others, but so many people love the sport for so many different reasons. And I think just that reason alone is a cool one for people. It's to say like, Hey, I, I race BMX. I enjoy doing, it. I have fun. I'm not a pro, but I really end up in the gate with pros and I had a blast.
0: Yeah. Let's save that question for another show and dive into it. Cause it's a really good one.
1: There's I like think, topic. I think there's, yeah, very, very interesting one. A very, a lot of points we could do, um, back to quick shots though. Okay. Same person, loose grips or missing left crank arm spindle bolt.
0: Wow, you're pretty fucked without the spindle bolt.
1: If as long as your cranks are bolted on tight though, I think you're okay. So I'd take
0: missing wait, wait. The spindle. Bolt. The missing spindle but the pinch bolts are tight or
1: what? I that's what I would assume. I mean, maybe they were maybe we're tricking them with this one, but I'd think the pinch bolts are tight. You're just missing the basically the, the the part that makes it tighter. The side bolt, right? Yeah, if you're, you're missing the side bolt, like we're talking Shimano's right now. If you're missing that side bolt but the pinch bolts are pinched on, well, I'd take that, no problem.
0: I think you're fine without yeah. the side bolt at that point, yeah. yeah so I'd, do I'd, take, that. I'd do that. Yeah.
1: Loose grips, though, man, you're all over the map.
0: Oh, you're done.
1: Yeah. Um, From Sean Collins, standard barrel gate or paddle style gate?
0: What's a paddle style?
1: Paddle was what we had a grand. I'll so we'll call that.
0: Don't we call it a paddle style?
1: You know what? I didn't know what we call it, but since he said it, it just sounds spot on. Like, what else do you call it?
0: I didn't know that's what it was called. Huh.
1: I mean, maybe maybe Sean's making this up. Maybe he's just teaching us something new. Maybe they say that down under in Australia. I don't know, but I like it.
0: Yeah, I don't love the look of a barrel gate in one.
1: No, I agree. It's different.
0: Although, barrel <laughs> gate's better. I think barrel gate's better for races because they can put an advertisement spot on it, whereas the individual gates, you can't.
1: That's huge. That's huge one right there.
0: So I think it's better to have the barrel gate that way that sport or event can earn some more money. Cause that's a big, that's probably like a big advertising spot.
1: Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, I'm sorry. I was reading something at the same time. Uh, next question. Carson BMX Tori. If you had to pick between the grand's night show or a Ravens game where the Ravens are playing Joe Burrow, where are you headed?
0: Ravens game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> nothing more to it. A pretty, a pretty obvious one right there.
0: I mean, Ravens, if I can watch the Ravens play the Bengals and watch Lamar and Joe Burrow, I've never been to a Ravens game. I'm probably going to that Ravens game. I can go to the Tulsa every year, but I can't really go to that game all the time.
1: It's true. Especially against Joe Burrow.
0: Yeah. So I'm going there, you know, the last game of the season. So the Bengals and the Ravens are both eight and four right now, and they're battling for the division lead. So the Ravens are, are technically leading. Cause I think we've beaten the Bengals. Okay. So the last game of the season is the Ravens versus Bengals. It's probably going to be to see who wins the division. That's going to be a
1: huge
0: fucking game.
1: That's going to be massive. Huge. I can't wait.
0: Our quarterback got hurt. This oh, weekend. it's tough. Hey, Lamar hurt his knee. It's real tough. Scene.
1: That's real tough. Get some nice on that bad boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, two more. From first one from Eli underscore Shaw. Can we expect any differences in the title chase? slash focus from the pros in 2023, with it being 18 months away from Paris 2024 Olympics?
0: Why would it... It's not 18 months away.
1: Um, I mean, next I guess year. we're like
0: technically like 18 months away now, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: No, I was going to say, because the grants is like six months away. Yeah. Um, No, it'll be the same.
1: I think pretty similar too. I mean, if anything, I think the people that would come over to try to go for the title, like Laura or Neek or Sylvan. I don't think they won't be coming because of the Olympics. I think they wouldn't be coming because they just did a full year of it. And maybe they're tired and don't want to do that.
0: (laughs) That's would be the only change. I don't think Laura will probably chase it. I don't think like Neek will. Fair. Yeah.
1: Um, Last one from TNL Moore, 42 inch wide bars or 22 inch wide bars? 22. I'd have to go 22, 42, dude. That'd be Can so wide.
0: <laughs> <doing this laughs> oh right
1: <laughs> Just grab a pair of mountain bike bars and be in the gate. Your bars would be hitting the other guy next to you when you're trying to go. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, at least 22, you got space. it will be, you know, a little narrow, a little uncomfortable maybe, but. Hilarious.
0: Just put them all the way Chicago and then you're already cutting the guys off next to you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that'd be unreal. Unreal.
0: All right, that's all we got.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, you got anything more for us? Anybody, yeah.
0: No. I think that's all we got. Winning starts at the Great Gate, Pro gate Europe. We are taking next week off. The boys have um have next week as an off week, but we are going to do our best to have an absolute fucking banger guest after the week off.
1: Like we're talking we're talking fucking huge.
0: We're talking fucking huge.
1: Like this could be even our biggest guests on our show. That we believe are the biggest, and you might think are the biggest, might say this is the biggest show we ever do if we do it.
0: This might be the biggest show we ever do.
1: It might be. Um, so be prepared. We hope we can make it happen. We're in the works. And hopefully you guys will enjoy it. And
0: yeah, you know. Have a great week. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. So look forward to it, folks.
1: Enjoy your week. Thanks for listening. program Europe, get yours today. Uh AnswerBMX.com, get yours today. Snap on green, everyone.
0: Stop on
1: green.
0: Yeah, well, what's this friggin' podcast all about? I don't get it, man. Coffee chatter. Get off my back. Uh, <laughs> you have to be fast in the truck. I
1: hate that guy.